Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God can turn a situation around? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're in. I don't know uh, where you're at. But I can tell you this. God can flip the script on what the enemy's trying to write. He can flip your situation. God's the ultimate renovator. Man, he turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He turns seas into highways. Man, he's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one that can change your your, your diagnosis in, in, from cancer to healed. He can change uh, your finances from not enough to plenty. He's the only one. He's the only one. He can change death to life. He's the only one. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that you are the one that flips the script. You're the one that gets the glory. You're the only one that can. Lord, we try in our own might, but Lord, today we lay it down. We lay it down. We're, Lord, we, we say we quit trying. Lord, we want you to be glorified in this place. Lord, there are people walking in here with situations that no one even knows about. There are people that, that are carrying burdens that, they, that, that you're saying, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Lord, I pray right now that they walk out realizing that they're not supposed to carry it and that they can just lay it at your feet because you pursue them, because you care for them, because you are the only one that's suited to take care of it. Have your way today. Father, glorify your name in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will open hearts, open minds, open open ears to receive your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convey your word to us in such a way that we walk out of here transformed because we encountered God Almighty. Not because we heard another talk. Oh God, I pray that you that you glorify your name in me. Anoint me to deliver your word one more time. I can't do this without you, and I don't want to try. Lord, your word is so good. Transform us through your word and your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Today we are, we're in a series called Jonah. Out of the book of Nehemiah, I'm just joking, Jonah. And every time I see this graphic, it reminds, like, it makes me think that the waves are going to move. Like, it just, um, but I got to tell you, Miss Emily made that, and she did a great job. So, yeah, she's, she's been making all our series graphics. So let's give it up for Miss Miss Emily. But I'm excited. I've been thinking about this message for two weeks now. I've been praying about this message for two weeks now. And when I was writing last week's message, I had to, I had to keep stopping and going and adding to this week's message. And it's because, like, the Lord just really hit me. As I was mowing, whatever I would do, I would have to stop and make a note in my phone. Because this message is for someone and I love the coordination of the Holy Spirit because he lines things up. And we just sing about it. There's no mountain he won't light up like he comes after us. And the title of my message today is God Loves You. Last week, 
was God sees you. This week is God loves you. And we're going to be reading the rest of chapter um, 1 out of Jonah. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to go through verse 17. And this is uh, part of the story that probably most people are familiar with. And we're going to just jump right in, and we're going to go for it. And it's going to be good. Air high-five someone, give them a knuckle bump, and say, this is for me. Come on, do it. We're going to bring back the high-five single-handedly. Get it? Single-handedly. Oh, it's a dad joke. I did hear this joke uh, this week, and this guy, this guy uh, went to the hospital. It, it, not, not to the hospital, but he's going to these classes at the hospital to help his memory because he, he, he was just forgetting things regular, regularly. He was just forgetting things a lot. So he's been going to all these classes at the hospital and um, to help him. And, and what they're doing is they're teaching him to associate like an image with the memory. So like when he, he could think of that image and then remember it. And so he was telling his friend about this. And he was saying, man, the, the classes are going so good. They're teaching us how to associate an image with a memory so I can remember better. And his friend goes, that's awesome. I think I need to go to that class, th- those classes. Do you remember what hospital was teaching that? And he goes, oh, man, um, hold on, hold on. I don't remember. <laughs> and it, ironically, it's a class about memory. He's like, hold on, but I, I got this. I got this. Um, I, I, could think of the, just, I, I got to think of the image. Okay, do you remember that flower? that has a really long stem and thorns on it and everything, has a beautiful head, you know, beautiful flower on top. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a rose. He's like, yes, that's right, it's rose. He turned to his wife and said, Rose, do you remember the name of that hospital? And I heard another one It said that God promised man that there would be a beautiful, um, um, supportive, an amazing wife in all the corners of the earth. And then he made the earth round and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> all right, that's enough. That's enough jokes. We've we got, got to get serious, Ryan. <laughs> but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. So remember last week, Jonah was a prophet in Israel. The Lord came to him and said, go preach to Nineveh, saying that I'm going to judge them for their sin. And Jonah heard the Lord, and he went and chartered a ship from Joppa to Tarshish. So it's 200 miles to Nineveh from Joppa, approximately. Tarshish is in Spain. Joppa is in Israel. So if you have an idea of the Mediterranean Sea, Israel's over here and at the opposite end of the Mediterranean Sea, thousands of miles away. This is how serious Jonah did not want to go where God told him to go. Instead of taking a 200-mile trip, he wanted to go over 1,000 miles away. See, he didn't just get on a boat. Uh, the word that he said that he, he paid fare, that, that is actually more, more commonly associated with chartering. Like, he said, I don't, like, I'm going to be the only cargo on the ship. Like, I'm going to be it. Like, I'm sure they, were, they had food and rations and all that stuff, but, like, he chartered a ship to take him all the way across the entire breadth of the Mediterranean Sea to get away from God. 
So we step in here, and it says, God, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate uh, sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. I want us to see this. Go back real quick. Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Like, there is another time in Scripture where a gentleman was sound asleep in the hold of a uh, ship during a huge storm. And he was going across the sea. And someone came and ran and woke him up. And they said, don't you care that we're going to die? I, I want to see the parallels here. Fearing for their lives. the desperate. Okay, let's go to the next verse. And so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's an interesting parallel to Jesus sleeping in the ship during a storm and his disciples running, don't you care that we're all going to perish? And Jesus is like, are you joking? But we're going to get into that here. I just want to point that out. He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them have offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots fell. The, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? So Jonah, he wasn't just running from God. He was hiding who he is. He was running from his calling. He was running because he said, what do you do? Who are you? What country are you from? What's your nationality? He was hiding his identity to run from God. And really, when we run from God, that's really what we end up doing. We hide our calling. We hide our purpose. We hide all. We deny all that to run from God. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that, is a terrible, I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Isn't it weird when you fight against God? It's like, it's like spitting in the wind. Then they cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord... You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reason. Jesus even prayed that prayer, except Jonah, Jonah didn't pray it. Jesus said, Lord, 
Don't hold these people responsible. They know not what they do. Forgive them. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm was stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want to talk to you from the title, God Loves You. Last week we talked about God sees you. This week, God loves you. And I'm going to give you four things about God's love here. And this is not an all-inclusive list. It's not. But out of this, God loves you enough to pursue you. God loves you enough to pursue you. Now, if I were to walk around the room and ask, who here has a pursuit story? Every one of us would raise our hands. Um, for, like A pursuit story for me is when Amy kept asking me to marry her. And after the third time, I finally said yes. I'm just, gosh, I had to sometimes beat her off with a stick. I'm like, Get away from me. And but she just she was relentless. I'm just joking. Um, it was really the other way around. I just wouldn't leave her alone. I kept showing up with flowers, and I finally won her heart. Actually, I don't know about that part, but I still show up with gifts, and she keeps me around. Um, <laughs> but we all have a pursuit story, and um, a lot of us have a pursuit story. You know, when you're driving, just a touch over the speed limit. And you see those beautiful lights of justice and law behind you. And you think, that's great. Praise God, they're doing their job. And you pull over and just thank the Lord because we we live in such a great nation that cares enough to send people to enforce the laws of the land. And we just aren't nervous at all. We're just thanking God the whole time, right? And then they walk up, and honestly, all they're wanting to do is get your name and number and get a date. Grant you it's a court date, so you can pay your ticket. But, um, no, we, we have a pursuit story, though. The cops chase us. They, they literally, they, they, they will chase a person down because they're pursuing them. But God is more relentless than, than every husband in here. Every husband knows what it's like to pursue someone because you're married and you pursued your wife. Like you, you don't just get married. There is a pursuit there. And God pursues us because he loves us, because he's going after us. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I leave the 99 to find the one. He pursues us. And here we see Jonah willingly running. From God. But God loves, God loves enough to pursue. I don't care if you're running unintentionally or running intentionally, God pursues you. It might be before you come to relationship with Him, God pursues you. Because the fact that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is proof that God has pursued you and is still pursuing you. 
Because you don't just get a relationship with Jesus uh, willy-nilly. There's some preliminary work that the Holy Spirit does in your heart to get you to choose God. Like, you're like, well, I chose to follow Jesus. Not on your own, you didn't. Not one wife would say, I just chose to marry him. No, the husband pursued first. There is some preliminary work done in the heart for her to say yes when that question was asked. And the same is true with God. If at an infinitely greater perspective, the Holy Spirit does preliminary work in our heart. So when we come to the point of saying, God, yes, I, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit's done the work. He's been pursuing. He's been sending men and women of God to speak the gospel and to speak life. He's been doing all this work because he pursues you. And even after, it's not, it's not you get saved and then God's done with you. He pursues you because he loves you. He loves you relentlessly. Jonah's story of pursuit is literally an expression of God's love. Well, he, the boat almost broke apart. The key word in that statement is almost. Some of, some of us have been in storms. And you're like, how is that God loving me? You didn't break, did you? You're still here, aren't you? Because God pursues you. He doesn't say that you won't go through it. He says he'll be with you in it. God pursues us because he loves us. And get this, he pursues us because he loves the people that you will reach for him. He loves the people you will reach, and he, he loves you enough to not let you run away to not reach them. And he loves them enough to not let you run away so they won't be reached. God loved the Ninevites enough to say, no, Jonah, I'm not going to let you get to Tarshish and rebuild your life. Because there is a city full of hundreds of thousands of people that I love. And there are people in your life that God loves, and he loves you enough to not let you squander that opportunity. Jonah ran because he didn't like God's plan. I'm going to raise my hand right now and confess. I've ran because I didn't like God's plan. I still love God. I didn't like his plan. Is there anyone else in here that can say that? I ran because I didn't like God's plan. Yeah. Get this. Jonah was still called of God, even though he was running. Jonah still had a relationship with God, even though he was running. God still loved Jonah. Get this. Jonah was still a prophet of God, even though he was running. Didn't like God for a moment. Didn't like God's plan. He was still a prophet. He was still called. He still had purpose. He was still a Hebrew. He was still... Some of us think that we've instantly, because we ran for a season of our life or, or ran uh, for a moment or whatever, we've, we've, we've severed our purpose. God can never use us. God can never speak through us again. Oh, we're, we're just done, and now all we're reduced to is sitting on a pew or a 
padded chair in this case, and that's it. You haven't squandered your calling because you ran. You haven't. So if you're running hard, you're in good company. A great prophet of God once ran hard from him. And guess what? Newsflash for you. You're not faster than God. It's amazing how you can run from God and he beats you to where you're running. Or he meets you on the way. Isn't that the case? God used the very thing Jonah thought would get him out of the will of God. Get this. To bring about the will of God. I'm going to say that again. God used the very thing that Jonah thought would get him out of the will of God. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah chartered a boat and started for Tarshish. That's opposite. Literally, the Bible says he went in the opposite direction. It's thousands of miles apart from where he's supposed to be. And yet, that's the very thing that God used to bring about the will of God. So take courage. You haven't, out, uh, you haven't ran yourself out of the will of God. Take courage. Jesus pursues us relentlessly. Take courage. Jesus can use anyone to do anything. It's not impossible for God, and it's not impossible for God to use you. Why? Because God pursues us relentlessly. Because God loves us enough to pursue us. And the second thought I want to leave, leave with you real quick. God loves you enough to stop your plans. God loves you enough to stop your plans. And praise God that he does. Like, I, I can't thank God enough for every prayer that he didn't answer in my life. I can't thank God for every time he changed the course of my life. He stopped, like, I was engaged to a girl for two and a half years before I ever met Amy. I thank God every single day that he interrupted my plans for my life because he gave me the most amazing godly woman on earth. I'm sorry, ladies, but he was taking second course to her. And he gave me two beautiful children because he, he, Loves me enough to stop my plans. Man, if I had it my way, I would have been in the army. I would have made a career out of that. But God loves you enough to stop your plans. I wanted to serve God, but I wanted to serve God on my own agenda. Like with my own plans. Like God, I want to serve you. Like I want to serve in a local church. I want to do, I want to do what you want me to do, God but with these conditions. And this is the news flash for me, so I'm going to step on my own toe. Everyone, just get ready. News flash for us. If you put conditions on servanthood, it's not serving. Mm. Had to go there, didn't I? But we pray prayers like, God, use me whenever, wherever, to whoever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we genuinely mean it until God says, go talk to Pastor Amy about serving in the kids. Forgive that person. Um, 
volunteer at whatever. And you're like, oh, um, call and pray for that person. Okay, God, anything but that. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything, whenever, wherever, but to whoever, but, but not that. Well, it, it can't be both, right? Like, we, we, wanna, we want our plans... We want our plans to be the will of God for our life. A lot. I, I love the fact that there is this uh, verse in Proverbs sixteen nine. It says, "In the hearts of humans, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps." <laughs> we can make our plans all we want, but God's going to get His will done. If it's not you, He'll do it. But why would we not want to say, okay, I'm going to lay my agenda and genuinely mean, ah, God, use me to whoever, whenever, wherever. And when he tells us, what I, I, I got to tell you this, guys, because we, we talk about like the will of God a lot and we talk about all this stuff, but the will of God for Jonah made Jonah uncomfortable, and he did not like it. We think about the will of God, and I think sometimes we think about cotton candy and white clouds and a memory foam mattress that we could just fall in and just sink into, and, but the air-cold kind, because you don't want to get a memory foam mattress that's not like air-cold because you'll get hot, and then you get sweaty, and then it's awkward because you got that sweat going down. You know, like, but you get what I'm getting at. We think it's so nice and cushy, but the will of God, it's great, and it's perfect, but what I've discovered in my life in discerning the will of God is I don't want to do it because it's in direct conflict with my will. Mm. It's in direct conflict with my will. Listen, I believe that God wants to use each of us within the giftings he's given us. I'm not, trying, I'm not telling you to go do something God's not gifted you to do. He didn't even ask Jonah to do something he wasn't gifted to do. What was Jonah? He was a prophet. What was God asking him to do? To operate in his calling, his gifting. Now, we have this idea... In the Old Testament, the main role of the prophet was to call people to repentance. Even in the New Testament, John the Baptist is called the last of the Old Testament prophets. And what, it, what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist wasn't recorded of actually prophesying. He wasn't recorded of, of bringing about healings or miracles. The role of the prophet is to call people to repentance. And so, but when we hear prophet, we, only, we instantly think prophecy. But that was like maybe 120th of what the prophet did. We have these books of prophecy, but if you read them, the main, if you go back and read, most of the prophets are going to kings saying, repent, you're a pagan, turn to God. And then the prophecy was usually about something like, if you don't turn to God, you will be exiled. If you turn to God, you will flourish. Like that was what the message of the prophet was. 
It was to call people to repentance. And I have a real hard time with self-proclaimed prophets walking around calling themselves a prophet. And then they, they don't call anyone to repentance. They don't tell anyone to serve Jesus. They're just prophesying, prophesying. They're all over the internet. Oh, the Lord gave them this prophetic word. I'm not, pro- t- I'm not treating pro- prophecy with contempt. I'm just telling you that the role of the prophet's main job is to call people to repentance. And God used Jonah in his calling and in his role. And I think God wants to do that for each of us. He wants to use you in your strength. And the will of God, though, even though Jonah was being called to do what he was called to do, he was being told. And get this, God doesn't tempt you to do something. If you're, if you're wrestling and you're like, oh, man, that's real tempting. I should go do that. Well, God doesn't tempt. If you're getting tempted to do something, it's probably not God talking to you. God will tell you. God tells. If you're trying to discern whether you should do something and it's tempting you, it's not God tempting you. James clearly says God does not tempt, nor can he be tempted. Something in you is tempting you. Each person, when by their own evil desires, is dragged away and enticed. That's what James says. So God just comes out and tells us to do. He told Jonah, go to Nineveh. He didn't say, hey, there's this really awesome city filled with hundreds of thousands of people. I really think, you, like, he didn't tempt, he didn't tempt Jonah. He told Jonah. And God doesn't tempt. I, I, for my, like, how I've learned to, to, to discern this, to say, okay, God, is this my plans or your plans, is a lot of times is I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So if you're really wrestling and you're really wrestling about whether you should do something, it might be God. Honestly, because God cares enough to stop your plans. He loves you enough to to stop your plans. God doesn't tempt. If if you're desiring it, you might not be ready for it. That's a hard pill to swallow, and that's something I've wrestled with. But I can tell you this. I did not want to go into the ministry. I didn't. I didn't want any part of it. I wanted to go into the army. I wanted to make a career out of that. I, want, I, I, just, I had this idea in my head. I had it planned out of what I wanted to do with my life. And I, and I met God at an altar and my mom kept saying, remember your calling. I'm like, God, stop, Mom. I, I know. I know I'm called to the ministry, Mom. Leave me alone. I said that a lot. Probably just like that, too, to which I got slapped in the face. Back then, it wasn't abuse. It was just good parenting. Um, but I met God at an altar. He just said, remember your calling. And, uh, and I, I surrendered. I still didn't want to. I didn't want to get up and speak. I didn't want to do any of that. I said, okay, God, I'll do minister. I'll volunteer at a church. God got me to the point where I said, okay, I'll do it. Didn't want to, but I'll do it. But I don't want to speak. And then I ended up preaching my first message. He, got, he, he said, I'll do it. I got to the point where I'll do it. 
like, okay, God, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a pastor in any capacity. And, and he got me to the point where I, I, I just volunteered in youth group. And then he gave me a heart for students. And then he's like, you should be a student pastor. I'm like, God, I don't want to be a student pastor. You should be a student pastor. I want you to be a student pastor. I don't want to be a student pastor, God, but I want you to be a student. God, I don't want to be a student pastor. And then he got me to the point where I say, okay, God, I'll do it. And then I love student ministry. Loved it. Still love it. I get jealous every time to have a <laughs> at night. I'm like, oh, man, they get to go hang out with students. I love it. Um, Amy, on the other hand, is like, I don't miss it. Um, she's really embraced everything, but... Um, but I said, and I, I can't tell you how many times I said, God, I don't want to be a lead pastor. But I knew God was working in me to be a lead pastor. I said, God, I don't want to. God's like, I want you to be a lead pastor. But God, I don't want to. But and, uh, long before anyone's ever said anything, and then Amy, Amy would walk by and said, Ryan, I think you would be a lead pastor, the way you lead the youth. I'm like, no, gross, don't say that. Gross, uh-uh. And I go back, I'm like, God, are you trying to say something? He's like, I've been saying it. I want you to be a lead pastor. I'm like, no. I was, I was charting, I was charting a, a, a ship to Tarshish it's called student ministry. And God kept going, no, no. And I finally said, okay. He got me to the point of okay. Okay. And I'm real leery about being comfortable in lead pastor. I'm still, I'm not. I don't want to be comfortable in lead pastoring because I know that as soon as I get comfortable, God's like, I want you to, I'm like, nope, I'm still, I'm not comfortable yet, God. Uh-uh. Nope. I want to retire here at C1 because I love, these are my people. Lord, you called me here. These are my people. You, you want to make a difference in Columbia. But he had to get me to that point of okay. And, and, and so if you're running from God, you're running from a calling, you're running from whatever, God cares enough for you and loves you enough to stop your plans, and he gets you to the point of okay, and then he gives you a heart for it. He empowers you to do it. So that's the beautiful thing. God doesn't tempt you to do something. Not once in the progression of my, of, of my life has God ever tempted me to do something in my calling. He told me to do it. So if you're having a hard time discerning and, and you say, man, I'm really tempted to do this, that's not God. Well, that's a hard pill to swallow. God does not tempt the enemy tempts. He makes things look so beautiful and, and so amazing. I bet Tarshish seems so awesome because it was so far away from Nineveh. Nineveh, man, that was a hard city. It was called the city of blood. They sacrificed people, children. They did all sorts of immoral acts. It was just an affront to God. In fact, the reason why Jonah was called to go there and preach judgment is because their sins were were so heavy and strong that it came up before God and it was detestable to God. And there's only one other point in history that happened. And it was at Sodom and Gomorrah that their sins got so strong that it came up before God and God's like, I'm destroying it. And that was the message. 40 days and you're going to get destroyed. That was the message that Jonah preached. 
for it was there was no message of hope. It was just like, get your affairs in order. <laughs> like 40 days, God's gonna destroy you. So God loves you enough though to stop your plans, and he loves the people in your life and around you to stop your plans to get you back in his will. And all he wants to, to do is just to say, okay. Because you know what he's already told you to do. You know it. It might be forgive someone. It might be let go of bitterness. It might like whatever it is. God doesn't tempt you to do things. He tells you and he says, get to the point where you just come into agreement with God. Okay? That's what God wants. That's repentance is agreement with God. Like, God, I thank you. I love you enough that you interrupt my plans. And I agree, your plans are better than my plans. Your plans are infinitely better than my plans. He stops your plans. Jonah had a life plan for him. In Tarshish, away from God's calling. But God loved him enough and the people in Nineveh enough to stop him in his tracks to intervene because he has a purpose and a plan. And that's why God stops your that's why God stops your plans. If you just if you keep bumping into slam doors, man, don't be discouraged. Be overjoyed because God's stopping your plans because he loves you. Just trust whatever's on the other side of that door is not meant for you. Third thought, real quick, and we need to we need to scoot, Ryan. So I'm talking to myself out loud. God loves you enough to wake you from false peace. And I need all of us to pay attention right now. The Lord told me this so hard this week that there are people that are listening in this room and that are going to watch online that need this. The enemy loves nothing more than to give you false peace where you're at. And he gives you a feeling. I want you to get this. Because the enemy cannot give you real peace. Period. Because peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person named Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. But the enemy momentarily can give you a false peace in your circumstance. He can give you a false peace and a false security in your running. And so you might have a false peace and, and the reason why the enemy does this is because he knows the way you get real peace isn't, isn't by just surrounding yourself with good music and all that. It's looking to the person of Jesus Christ. If you want peace in your life, you don't, you don't, we got to get this. If you want peace in your life, you don't chase a feeling. You chase a person named Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, He's chasing you. So if you just turn around, he's right there. If you want peace in your life, don't look for a feeling. Look to Jesus. The enemy can only offer a feeling. But once you've had the real deal of Jesus Christ, it passes understanding. You won't want a feeling because you want Jesus. Jonah was asleep in a storm running. From God, because the enemy gave him a false peace. Jesus was asleep in the storm in the middle of the will of God because he knew that God was with him and God was for him and he knew where he was going. 
He knew. Well, Jesus woke up and he said, why do you guys have no faith? That's what he said. He was asleep. He wasn't worried about drowning. He wasn't worried about any of that because he knew that God was with him, God was for him, and God told him to go across the sea. So if God told you to do something, God will be with you through it to get you to it. And Jesus had the peace of God. Jonah had a feeling. The enemy likes to lull us to sleep as believers with a false peace and a false security so we don't look to Jesus. So that we could be like, oh, this must be the will of God because look at the peace in my heart. No, it's just peace in a moment. Because the reality is God's peace does create peace in storms. The enemy, he can't. He can offer you a moment. He can offer you a moment of peace. But it's not the real deal. It will crumble. It will crumble. Guess what? Because Jesus knew. He said, God told me to go across the lake. And I'm supposed to do it. Jesus got up in the full authority of the Holy Spirit, which you and I have. He said, peace be still. And the storm stopped. What did they have to do to Jonah? They had to throw him overboard to get him back in the will of God. God doesn't want you to be thrown overboard. He wants you to stand up and speak peace to your storm because peace is a person named Jesus Christ. So if you're going through it, if, you, if, if, if the enemy is he's enticing you with false peace, he says, hey, this will give it to you. This will give it to you. Oh, do this. Just fall asleep right here. Look to Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Your circumstances might not change, but peace that you can't understand will encompass your heart. It will. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, the Bible says it's indescribable. It's beyond our knowledge. So I can't technically describe the peace of God. But I could tell you how to get it. It's not chasing a feeling. It's not resting in your running. It's resting in the will of God, even when you're not comfortable in the will of God. We, the will of God offers peace of God, but it's not necessarily comfortable. But that's okay. I promise you that the stomach that Jonah was in was not comfortable, but that was the will of God. Ryan, this does not make me want to walk in the will of God. If you've ever experienced the peace of God, you'll want the will of God. Because peace is a person named Jesus. Look to Jesus. God loves you enough to wake you from false peace. And I think he's waking people up right now in this room that have been asleep for too long. And God's saying, I've called you. I've told you. I've put this on you and you fell asleep and you and you said oh i'm just i'm just resigned to do what i do no you're not wake up wake up oh you sleeper rise up because god has something for you and it's so much greater than what the enemy has he has a purpose and the last thing real quick ben if you will 
God loves you enough to give you an unconventional journey. God loves you enough to give you an unconventional journey. I will tell you this. The will of God is anything but conventional. Period. Jonah, he was running from the will of God, and God used his running in the will of God. And the reason why God's will is so unconventional, this is... um, (laughs) This is really powerful, but the reason why God's will for your life is so unconventional is because he weaves your decisions into his will for your life. He weaved Jonah's running into his perfect will. What? That's how much God loves you, and that's how much God loves the people around you. To weave the decisions you make into his will. So that's why I say you cannot run the will of God. You cannot run the love of God. All you have to do is just say, okay, God, I agree with you. And then suddenly, all those decisions you made up to this point has brought you to this point. And suddenly, God used all those decisions to bring about his will. But there is really bad things in my past. I'm not saying that God caused them. But what I'm saying is God can use them to bring about his will. Jonah was thrown overboard. He was swallowed by a giant sea creature. To go preach to a people that worshipped a God that was a sea creature. You can't tell me that God doesn't know what he's doing. You can't tell me that God doesn't use our decisions to bring about his will. You can't tell me. And it it looks chaotic from our perspective because we only see one way and it's behind us. But God is a master weaver. He's weaving it in and out. And he, bring, he loves you enough to give you an unconventional journey. He loves you enough. So this right here, though, this is not in the Bible, but it does bear weight. Because God wants, right now, every one of us, we can come into alignment with the will of God. And all it is is, okay, God, you're right. I want what you want. Use me. And suddenly, that running, those bad decisions, all that are weaved in to bring you to this point. Suddenly, you step right into the perfect will of God for your life, which is relationship. Because God loves you enough to keep you an unconventional journey. This is a different proverb, not out of the Bible. But it says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that single step, all it is, is, okay, God, here I am. Use me. Forgive me. I believe in you. And suddenly, all the running, all that doesn't really matter anymore. You can't change it. 
can't do a single thing about it. But you can. But you can. Be used moving forward. I don't care how old or how young you are. We can all say, God, use me. However you want. that's really the prayer I want us to pray. If you're out of a relationship with Jesus, you've never asked him to become Lord of your life, that's the step you need to make. It's as simple as, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead to set me free from sin. Come be Lord of my life. It's just believing. The Bible says that we believe in our heart that confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's, it's, it's just this beautiful thing. But I think most of us just need that second prayer. Lord, use me. Use me. Because God loves you enough. He loves you enough to pursue you. God loves you enough to stop your plans. God loves you enough to wake you from a false peace and God loves you enough to give you an unconventional journey. He loves you. God loves you. So what what I wanted to do is I'm just going to lead us in a prayer and then we're going to worship Jesus. That's what we're going to do. I think we all need to, myself included, I'm throwing myself in this. Let's Let's just pray together. Repeat after me. Father, I come into alignment with you. I agree with you. Use me. No strings attached. You can have my yes. No strings attached. Glorify your name. 